everyone. Sorry about the delay. Like literally as I just sat down to like launch a stream, I had to get a package from DHL and rummage through that. So I'm a little bit fluster fucked at the second. Hey, it's episode 92. Out of the lack of anything else, I just titled it Vroom Vroom. Uh, as my car issue was settled, the DeSantis-Trump feud is just starting and uh, the media is talking to themselves literally at supposed Trump rallies. There was supposed to be a riot slash protests in lower Manhattan where Trump is rumored or at least expected maybe we'll see to be indicted and no one showed up the only people that showed up were reporters to the extent that they were talking to other reporters without even knowing it that was uh the circus that was created in lower Manhattan was completely media created and driven and it sums up the entire circus around Trump and the media for the last six years pretty nicely. Ben Collins, NBC News 4chan reporter, wrong about everything, uh, kind of live tweeted. He said, I'm at a pro-Trump protest put on by New York Young Republicans Club. Not a joke. There are more reporters here than Trump supporters. This was supposed to be a big one. Yeah, how about that? So it's just a bunch of cameras taking pictures of a guy who was putting on a rat suit next to a guitar. With the world's hang Fauci on it. This was all supposed to start about a half hour ago. The ratio to press to actual protesters at this pro-Trump rally in New York is probably five to one, maybe more than that. I, I read snippets of this on the podcast if you haven't listened to it. Um, but that's a good summation of where we are and where the media is with him and why they hope to keep him in the spotlight, which is a lot of what the shenanigans are with charging him with a crime where uh, there really doesn't appear to be a crime that the FCC cleared over seven years ago. So this uh, appears to be engineered and it's appearing that the democratic party apparatus is getting behind it with their, no one is above the law talking point, which we know is also bogus bill Clinton. And so on top of that, uh, it really looks like today is kind of, or yesterday is uh, basically the start of what's going to be the DeSantis Trump feud. With DeSantis, I don't even want to say hitting back, but at least answering some questions that were put to him via, you know, attacks by Trump. And Trump uh, returned with a statement today that came out after my podcast. I'm just going to read this. I want to get people's thoughts on this <clears throat> because, as I stated, Trump has kind of this backbencher D-League of online influencers now whom he's paying to basically go out there and push shit that's anti-DeSantis or whatever – regardless of how you feel about either the governor or Trump. And um, as we saw today, Trump's statement, um, this is one where I talk about on the podcast where I'm trying to like tap some of my pundit friends on the shoulder and being like, you don't have to answer this. You don't have to talk to that guy. You know, they don't, you, you, they don't care. I'm just correcting. No, they don't care. They don't care. Forget that. It doesn't matter. And this is one of those that's going to be interesting to see. So I'm going to read trump's full <laughs> boomer rant from uh he released a statement not this wasn't on true social and so i'm gonna read this whole thing it says now that ron de sanctimonious is finally admitting he's in the race by beginning to fight back and now that his polls have crashed so he has no other choice let me explain the facts he is for a republican an average governor he got 1.2 million less votes in florida than me he fought for massive social cuts in Social Security and Medicare and wanted Social Security minimum age to be raised to 70 years old or more. He is a disciple of Paul Ryan and did whatever Paul Ryan told him to do. Florida has been successful for many years, long before I put Ron there. It's amazing what ocean and sunshine will do. 
Surprise, Ron was a big lockdown governor on the China virus, sealing all beaches and everything else for an extended period of time. Was third worst in the nation for COVID-19 deaths, third worst for total number of cases. Other Republican governors did much better than Ron. And because I allowed them this, quote, freedom, never closed their states. Remember, I left that decision up to the governors. For COVID death rates per state, Ron, as governor of Florida, did worse than New York. In education, Florida ranks among the worst in the country, and for in crime statistics, Florida ranked third worst in murder, third worst in rape, and third worst in abrogated, abrogated assault. For 2022, Jacksonville was ranked as one of the top 25 major crime cities in the country, with Tampa and Orlando not doing much better. On education, Florida ranks number 39 in health and safety in the country, number 50 in affordability, and number 30 in education and child care. Hardly greatness there. That's all caps, by the way. The fact is, Ron is an average governor, but by the best by far in the country in one category, public relations, where he easily ranks number one. But it's all a mirage. Just look at the facts and figures. They don't lie, and we don't Ron, don't want Ron as president. He also released a uh, something on to social along the same lines. Now, I guess I guess I would ask people listening, if you're in the callers queue, how much of that do you actually believe? And I saw a couple of theories where this, at this point, he's asking people to just ignore their own COVID experiences, uh, attacking Ron DeSantis, whether you like him or not, as a lockdown governor is going to be a complete non-starter. Um, eventually, as I said in the podcast, Trump is going to have to come out from behind kind of, you know, the, the, the Twitter army he has, and he's going to have to answer questions on a debate stage, most likely, regarding his record with COVID. And as there's a couple of very simple things here that he, he's going to find he's not going to have a good time dealing with, that Anthony Fauci was never fired and Trump has admitted to doing whatever he said and giving him a medal for service. So those are a few things. This is one of these statements that I found, like, I just kind of laughed at this um, because I, I just go down and I'm like, he's asking people to kind of ignore and forget all of their own COVID experiences. The other interesting thing about this attack is this is very similar to how Joe Biden or a Democrat would attack the Florida governor. And so I guess I look at this and I say, these are the lines of attacks of a Democrat. And these are things that are only going to probably make him more polished should if and or when he decide to get into the race. But it certainly does look like at this point that he's going to. The other one, oh, what I was going to say is uh, Trump supposedly uh, went off on DeSantis for giving an interview to Pierce Morgan, uh, which I, I kind of got a hand on. I wouldn't give an interview to Pierce Morgan, but um, he he labeled DeSantis running off to the liberal media. And Trump uh, has given several interviews with uh, Pierce Morgan several times. Now, I've been we've been through this show before, and people are, are going to tear their hair out trying to correct him and do all of this. And I guess I look at this, as I said today, is I think there's a lot of nervous energy right now. Based on what I see, I see a lot of people just they're on the cusp of just ready to just kind of explode and um, they want this race to get started. It's like almost like a boxing match where, you know, you just you want you just paid the 70 bucks on pay-per-view and you just want it to be 8 p.m. already. That's kind of how I look at a lot of this. And I guess I look at this as um, more so that you don't have to respond to every single little thing at this point. And uh, I guess people are going to make up their minds if they want four, five, six more years of this kind of stuff, or they don't. And it really is kind of that simple. So that's kind of what's going on on that front. Um, as I said, the title of this column is Vroom Vroom. And so if you haven't heard my podcast, I finally had my automobile situation settled. 
And yesterday I did four final test drives. I drove, I test drove a 2018 Porsche Macan, which I liked. It's just, it was kind of small. I test drove an Alfa Romero Stelvio, which is kind of Alfa Romero's SUV. And that was a, that was another fun one. Um, it had this like red cherry interior that I didn't like, but it, I liked it. it had like no dials anywhere. Everything was just kind of internal. And then just for the hell of it, I test drove a 2020 Nissan Rogue. Uh, if you just kind of want a, a dependable set of wheels and it's not going to set you back too much, whatever, um, which I thought it was finally adequate. And then the last thing I test drove was a 2019 Range Rover Velar uh, 340S. And that is the one that I came home with. So I kind of fell in love with it. I saw someone today in uh, comments say that it's the French bulldog <laughs> of SUVs. And uh, that one made me laugh. So uh, there's a warranty on it. It has low mileage. I'm anticipating problems. Um, every time I hear something, my hearing goes off. I'm like, oh, that's going to be expensive. Um, but uh, I wanted it and it was a good, it was affordable. It was a good price, low miles. And uh, as I continue to stare down headlong into my midlife crisis, I thought, why not? I've made some pretty great mistakes and I can't wait to make a few more. So that's settled. So you can give me your opinions on all of that stuff as well. And uh, anything else that we see going on during the week here. So we'll get started. We'll probably go as usual about an hour, hour and a half. As usual, please remember to mute your microphone if you're, if you're, if you're calling or if you're talking. Uh, if you're not speaking, it just makes it easier for me to concentrate, also makes it easier for the audience, and also makes for a better published recording. Yep, for you newbies, these are published. You can go back and listen to them anytime. I don't edit out content. I only edit for time and uh, speed. The other thing that I'd request is that if uh, we have a lot of people in the queue to just kind of keep your story or your point or your questions kind of short on the, on the shorter side. I know these can run long and people kind of want to get their say in and, and whatever, uh, but just be mindful that there are people listening and that there are other people probably behind you in the queue. So just a couple of the ground rules there. Um, I'm going to go ahead and as I always do here, we're going to upset this order a little bit. Uh, let's do uh, Titnos. I hope you're paying attention because you are officially ahead. Miller, can you hear me? Yep, go ahead. You might want to speak up a little bit, but yeah, you're. You're good. Go ahead. Oh, good night. I um <laughs> thinking that. I just don't know what Trump's doing. I think it's a condition of just the people that are working for him that are so desperate to work for him and attacking DeSantis as if he's the same as Marco Rubio or Ted Cruz or any other Democratic candidate from the last election cycle is just indicative of what's going to transpire, which is Again, calling um, his wife a transsexual and accusing her of faking cancer. That's where we're headed, by the way. Exactly. Which, <laughs> I, I, I mean, he's just digging his own grave right now. It's kind of shallow, but it's going to get really, really deep. And I agree with you in, in the fact that him just, I mean, I, he's been sit, sitting back and being very strategic in terms of when he says things and when he wants to enter this race. And now he's escalating a little bit and he's just sort of, he's just leading that donkey by the carrot. And um, Trump is just going to completely decimate himself. And even 
hardcore Trumpers are going to realize that this is not a winnable strategy. And, I, you know, I, I, I think it's all playing out perfectly in DeSantis's favor if he just continues on this trajectory. I think you I think you you make a, a couple of. Trump is caught in a feedback loop. And what I mean by that is he has people advising him that can't tell him no and won't tell him no because it, it might cost them a cabinet position, for example. Um, and because he doesn't have anyone doing that, whenever Trump just, you know, gets on his phone and he's like, look at this truth. Isn't this great? They all kind of go, yes, sir. Yeah, it's great. It's wonderful. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you should hit send on that. And so I think that that's a, a problem for him is that he's caught in a group of people just kissing his ass and they aren't saying like, dude, nothing you're saying about Florida is, is really true here. DeSantis, when he says that he won by 1.2 million votes, he's comparing a presidential election to a gubernatorial election. Now, like I said, none of that matters. <laughs> you people, I see people on you know Twitter and social media trying to correct those numbers until they're blue in the face. And I just kind of shrug and I'm like, none of that. What are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Stop it. You're wasting your time. Um, the other problem is you're right about how he kind of went after Rubio or Jeb Bush or Rand Paul. Trump has never really faced a popular Republican, and I don't think he kind of knows how to handle it because he's going to repulse a lot of people for a lot of this stuff. You're right. He, DeSantis is not Marco Rubio. He's not Rand Paul. He's not Jeb Bush. Um, accusing him of being a disciple of Paul Ryan is not going to really work. It'll work with his hardcore base, but that's not going to work either when Trump spent the entire first year of his actual presidency working with Paul Ryan to pass Paul Ryan's tax legislation. Um, and that's a problem. Trump is going to have a record that he's going to have to defend. And every time that he has to defend it, if he goes off and attacks Ron DeSantis's boots or his wife, people are going to look at that and they're going to say he doesn't actually want to defend his record as president. I also think part of it is I, I think one big weakness this time with Trump is he doesn't know why he's running again. And I mean this, I sincerely mean that I think he knows, I think he thinks he knows why, but this is, Trump looks at this as like a boxing match. It's, uh, I just, I need to win again. I need to win. I need to win at all. And, and doesn't, he doesn't actually really, I think, want to, but he thinks that he has to avenge uh, an injustice with him personally and kind of resolve some of those grievances. And the problem with that is people will see right through that. Um, you could make a case in 2016 that Trump cared about issues. He cared about the country and he cared about this. And now it looks like he kind of just cares about that fact that he feels like he was robbed of a, of a reelection. He's going out, he's setting out to right that wrong. And he's basically going to burn everything down in the way to do that. And whether or not that's the Republican party, a conservative movement, uh, good candidates, whatever, that's what it looks like to me. Charles Cook said as much at national review, you, you can, I, I don't think it's choose one here because that argument's going to fail, but it really is the reason why it's the only reason why I think he's running. Other than that, I don't know why he's running again. And so he's going to run into a lot of that. Now, could it work? Yeah, maybe. Um, but the thing that you have to realize is there is a lot of people around Trump who uh, are very much reinvested in his campaign and him getting the nomination again. And notice I didn't say winning again. Um, and so when you have Maggie Haberman running DeSantis hit pieces, if, you, if you've been paying attention, Maggie looks like she has a new beat. And that is 
running DeSantis content all the time while citing sources. Well, Maggie Haberman's source is Donald Trump. Everybody knows that. And so there's a lot of investment in keeping Donald Trump front and center of American politics and specifically the Republican Party. The question is, do Republican voters go along with it? When everyone, when the media and Lincoln Project and Bulwark and the Democratic Party and Joe Biden, when they're all working overtime to keep Trump front and center, that should tell you something. And it should open your eyes to what is at, what the game here is. Now, I've always said I'm in the Batman Begins caucus. I'm not going to kill you, but I'm not, I'm not, I just don't have to save you. And that's still kind of where I am here. So not to kind of monologue a bit, but you make some, you make some good points. And I think there's a lot of people like you who are like, what is he doing here? Trump has never gone after a uh, successful and very popular uh, Republican before and a very popular governor who was reelected by the landslide 20 points. And so I guess we're going to see if it works for him, but there's a, it's going to turn off a lot of people and Trump could end up just being surrounded again in that feedback loop. And that's going to lead nowhere. good. Totally agree. Last thought. Thank you for doing this during an abs game. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm waiting. So Colorado's going to get in. I don't even really care where, what seat they get in. And nobody wants to play them in the first round. So that's kind of where I'm at. So uh, I'm flipping around in a ton of games. But your sentiment is correct that to, to fuck the Penguins. The, the funny thing about this whole uh, Pride Night thing with hockey, it was just announced also the Chicago Blackhawks are going to not wear the Pride jerseys after this controversy with James Reamer in San Jose. The Penguins don't have to worry about that because the, every jersey for the Penguins is a Pride jersey. Thank you, Tim Mouse. <laughs> uh, we haven't seen Sheila in a while. Sheila, you're up. Good to see you. Hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Uh, I've been doing Friday nights. I, my, I shifted my work schedule. I've been punching a different class. Ah. So uh, I, I did this tonight because people were curious about the automobile. I was going to do this last night, and then uh, I just I ran out of time. So people are curious about the automobile, and then of course we have all of this nonsense happening with Trump in New York City and FYI. So uh, okay, right? Is this is this happening like right now? Is there a live uh, some type of protest no, going on right no, now? No, this was two days no. ago, and there is oh. there, the New York Post just reported supposedly Thursday they're filming this they're filming a scene for the sequel of Joker outside the courthouse where Trump would supposedly be, where he would fly in and turn himself in or whatever. Uh. And so there's hundreds of extras, explosions, Lady Gaga is going to be there. And uh, I'm just kind of sitting back, just doing, just being sickos. I'm just like, this is going to be great. I mean, that's a typical Trump rally, you know, guys in Joker masks and explosions. So, you know. Wow. If that's not like a kind of passive aggressive expression from the state that they're going to do something, that's what it feels like. It feels like they, they're going to try to mask their the or launder their their ill will towards a legal assembly uh, by starting something and allowing it to get crazy. Um, that's what it feels like. Uh, I I encourage people to assemble and you know if if they really are following their personal convictions to stand on the steps for Trump, you know by all means do it, but don't be violent in any way. And 
for Christ's sake, definitely get a camera on everything that happens. Get your own protest monitor, like not from the National Lawyers Guild because they hate you, uh, but get someone out there that will monitor the protest and and have a lawyer on tab. This is this is classic, you know, activist protest protocol. All the leftists have it. You know, why shouldn't you have it? Um, I just, I'm so tired of, of people saying, well, because this speech is yours and not mine, uh, it is unsafe. And that's not, that's, that's worse than unfair. That's like saying, I, I can't let you talk because every time you open your mouth, I feel unsafe. And when we let the academics who are primarily socialists, let's just face it, you know, determine what is safe and what is harm, okay, without going through the the democratic process of law, where a law is passed by the people through two two chambers of the Congress, state, local, or federal, and it becomes law and then is signed by the executive, okay, if that's not good enough and they have to start inventing their own safety system where they roll out what is harm versus what is not harm, then we're kind of in a in, in another tiered world. Again, it's the scaffolding that I'm always complaining about. Um, but you don't have to use their version of harm to, to exercise your own personal rights. In fact, you should lean into your rights and protect yourself and, uh, and express yourself as you need to. I don't have to defend Trump to defend the rights of people who are in favor of Trump's politics uh, to, to speak their mind peacefully. Um, I don't have to vote for him. I didn't do that. When I got a vote, I didn't vote for him. That's, that's how I express myself. I feel safe about that. I feel I, I, when I sleep at night, I sleep just fine. Um, I don't owe Trump a vote. I don't owe anyone a vote. Um, I'm, I'm a voter. And they're competing for my vote. It's not the other way around. So um, I just I just wanted to to kind of put that out there because I think you're going to hear more of this. You know, it's it's only safe when a certain person or a certain type of person and, and the skewing is is kind of kind of screwed up to me. I I don't know what you think, Stephen. What do you think? I think that once the political left and especially academia has settled on that free speech equals white supremacy, which is what they believe, then that has to be stamped out very quickly and uh, metaphorically violently, metaphorically violently. Um, but that's where that's what they've settled on. And you, you see this constantly, especially where it comes in academia. We saw this at Stanford. Mm-hmm. And it's a basically that that's where they are is, is that because they believe the founding of the country institutionalized is racist and based on white supremacy. So therefore are the principles enshrined in the founding documents. And you can go, you can go down each single one of well, them and they've, they've made a case of why that's white supremacy. Second amendment was written to keep, you know, so mm-hmm. people could keep their slaves. And that is a botched version of history that Nicole Hannah Jones in particular has been corrected on repeatedly mm-hmm. And she can, can continues to say it, and it gets continually mm-hmm. can continue to be pumped out into pop culture. Um, well, I mean, regardless of what their belief system is, I could believe that a unicorn sitting on a cloud of cotton candy is our president, 
and I would be wrong, but I would have a freedom of belief to do so. Okay, that's the category that I put that every single person that doesn't believe socialism is a white supremacist. I'm just there. That's where I am. That's what I believe. Okay, I believe in the in the laws that are passed by the Congress. Okay, I do not believe that people who just make this up as they go are, are correct. Okay, I believe the law is something I will conform to. This other thing is something I will not conform to. It is not law. So. Uh, I mean, you're right. One of the things about the Trump, when he did on truth and he basically said, take, you know, go out and protest and, you know, take our country back. That was obviously people in the media just immediately jumped to insurrection, uh, insurrection, riots, whatever. And I think that that's interesting because, one, I think I, I do think Trump knows what he's doing. This was not a guy that was anxious to quell what was happening at the Capitol on January 6th, just as he was not anxious to go along with him, which is what he said he would do. And so I know what he's doing, but the, the fact is that he had a media that said he's calling for riots, he's calling for riots, and then they all went to lower downtown and they found one guy with a guitar. And uh, I think that that has several messages to it, uh, one being, you know, what's the enthusiasm level for Trump at this time around outside of his own personal rallies where people think that they got a ticket to see a celebrity. So. Uh, they're going to use a lot of that stuff where, you know, what, whatever Trump says mm -hmm. is, you know, he's he's uh, provoking riots. It's hate speech. It's not protected, which is what you see Democrats saying a lot of now that hate speech is not protected speech, et cetera, et cetera. So they're going to it's a, only a riot when a they riot. Of, all, you know, you can't be before. examples like that to basically try and move the goalposts on what is and what is not acceptable speech. I'll give well, I, I just you can't convict of s someone of something before it happens yet. And, and there's a lot. Yeah. I mean, this is pre-crime area. This whole thing is pre-criminalization of an entire movement of political speech and expression. I don't feel good about it. Um, you know, you can vote for somebody else. You don't have to attend the protest if there is a protest. I mean, there's so many options. I just really feel like, um, you know, no one ever has to be compelled to, to choose Trump. I just think that that castigating and criminalizing an entire political movement is really anti-American, and that's that's all I have to really say. Thanks. So that's where they're headed. So I mean, that's uh, that's certainly what it looks like they're going to try and do. So good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you too. We'll try to do more early ones for you to, to get to. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Samuel up because I know he was in the queue last week and had to let's let's hear your take on this whole thing yeah well number one you said you know what percentage of those things said by Trump do you believe pretty much zero you know there's at least a hint of falsehood in all of them I think the larger and question is how many of those things are even his 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 yes I'll just vote for the guy if he's against Biden voters believe them we know that we know that his, you know, his Jordan Belfort wannabe, you know, jail-headed dudes on Twitter are going to run with this no matter what, because that's what he's paying them for. But I guess I look at it and say, what percentage of just, like, normie Republican voter is going to look at this and go, um, do you, you really calling him rock, lockdown Ron on this one? He, he's, he was literally the face in the media of not locking down and killing people. There was a Grim Reaper guy walking the fucking beaches because he wouldn't close the beaches. And I'm just looking at this going, 
who's actually going to buy this one? And I, I, I don't, I don't know beyond 12, 13% of his hardcore base. Yeah. See, it's real interesting because, you know, Trump's citing these poll numbers and even the, uh, even the, the meatheads, you know, in the polling industry are like, well, DeSantis has been going down. It's like, number one, you guys haven't had a real good track record lately. So I don't, I'm not going to put too, too much stock into what you're saying. Number two, it's so early in the cycle that like citing these poll numbers, oh, DeSantis is at 30%. It's like, well, number one, his name record, he, you know, what Trump had 71 million votes. He doesn't exactly have the same name ID yet, and he's not even in the race. And you still got guys like Sununu getting 1% or whatever. It's like the the poll numbers thing is just ridiculous to me because it's like no matter what poll, no matter how much you think Trump is ahead by, it's clearly a two-man race. I don't know if I've seen a third person break double digits in a single poll that's come out, whereas DeSantis and Trump have always been one and two. And with that, I mean, it's like if Trump is at 50%, you know, you think that's a pretty good number. But like if you if Trump's at 50%, the dude's a former president. That's not a real spectacular showing. If you're at 50% and you were a former president who just, what, two or three years ago had like a 97% approval rating within the Republican Party, like those aren't good starting numbers for him. You'd like to see him higher if he was really going to like dominate the field. So I just think that's interesting. I think another something that's missing in this also in this polling is Nikki Haley has been an announced candidate for about a month now, and she hasn't moved up or down. I think to me, that says that this is essentially a two person race that basically you could have a Tim Scott jump in and people are just going to go, nah, it's one of those two. And you could have Chris Sununu jump in and people are going to go, nah, it's just one of those two guys. Um, this, this to me doesn't look like something that is going to be a repeat of 2016. Now, if you get 13, 14 people in the race, it might, but the fact that Nikki Haley, which to me is, she's a perfectly suitable, acceptable candidate. I don't have anything good or bad really on her, but the fact that she's out, out there doing this, she's doing TV, she's doing whatever, she's in New Hampshire, she's on the ground, she's doing stuff. And she hasn't moved. She has not moved a needle to me says that it looks like you're going to have two hardcore camps here ready to go at it. And everything else could end up being background noise. And of course, this is where the media will try to tilt things towards Trump. And this is where Biden's DOJ and Alvin Bragg and this prosecutor in Atlanta are going to just work to keep him front and center and sucking up the oxygen. And that's it. So that's another indicator that I think is interesting that uh, Haley's just kind of playing the safe boat, quiet waters thing. And that's not what people are in for. right? Yeah. And that was actually the next point I wanted to make. Like I have nothing against Nikki Haley. I think she's fine, but she has kind of pissed me off recently. Number one, well, this doesn't piss me off, but this just shows that her, her campaign, as Trump would say, is as dead as a dog. Um, we didn't get initial fundraising numbers from them, which normally you get if you have a really good fundraising haul immediately. And mind you, the day that she declared or the day after she declared, there was the Don Lemon blow up. And you thought that, you know, she would have raised a ton of money off that. But we never heard anything for fundraising. And they would have told us if there was a good number. So she's not raising money. She's not moving in the polls. And then what's really kind of pissed me off about her 
is she is being this classic fence sitter and being a Trump lapdog at the same time. So when that you when uh, Tucker Carlson, love him, hate him, whatever, sent out that questionnaire to all the all prospective candidates about Ukraine, she didn't respond. She literally yeah, I noted, I was noted, ambassador at the UN and did not respond. Yeah, I noted that uh, a couple of columns ago where she criticized DeSantis's answer, but she didn't give one herself. And exactly. that's that's not going to fly with anybody. So, I mean, she might come out now and take credit for DeSantis calling Putin a war criminal or what have you. Um, but I agree with that, that that was whether, again, whether or not you agree with Tucker Carlson, if that's her way of saying I'm not going to engage with Tucker Carlson, well, it looks like you're just kind of running as the Larry Hogan lane and that lane doesn't exist. Um, and I agree that if you, if you're running on your foreign policy chops, um, that's an audience that you should probably need or have. And especially if it's not asking you to appear, it's just here are the questions. Will you please respond to them? Um, and then the fact that she attacked him, uh, for his answers, I think that that's telling and you're right that, you know, she's, she's trying to ride the, I'm not going to criticize the former president lane, but we also know that that. That doesn't exist either because Trump will absolutely turn his guns on her when the time comes. And whether or not you, you know, the fact that you haven't figured that out yet as a campaign team is uh, interesting. Well, I think the dirty little secret, and this is just me, you know, theorizing just based on what I've seen. I think she's running to be Trump's VP. Like she has put every like statement she's put out. She she's not attacked Trump a single time that I've seen. Literally, so she defended Trump whenever she said, quote, DeSantis is copying him or whatever. And then, you know, she's still talking about Ukraine and you know, she can't send in a statement to Tucker, but she can go hard on Ukraine, not on his show, which, again, I think there's a reason for that. And then I think, again, right after her launch, she went on Hannity and Hannity asked her to point out one major policy disagreement with Trump. And she didn't say anything. She just completely designed. Uh, declined to answer the question. She wants to be his VP. You know, there's those rumors in Pompeo's book that she wanted to take his uh, Pence's VP slot in 2020. I, I think she knows she's dead in the water. And I think that she wants to be VP. And I think this is like my my thing is like, it's not 2016 anymore. But don't tell Republicans that because they're acting the exact same way. They're all going to attack each other instead of attacking Trump. And if the field is big enough, he's going to skate right on through if they're going to act stupid again. And nobody will have learned anything, even though we don't have the, you know, 10, 15 candidates. It, it could go the same way because Haley is the prime example. She's in the race. She's in a position to start on the offensive against Trump and dig into his margin. And instead, she's looking at people who aren't even in the race and attacking them because I, I think she wants to be VP because I think she knows that she can't beat him. I mean, I think that's just the truth. Uh, maybe. I mean, it's interesting she hasn't been asked that question by anyone. Would you would you, would you turn down a, a VP slot for Trump? Or, you know, she'd probably come back with some zinger about being a woman or she can be mine right. or something. But right. it's interesting that she hasn't at least answered or been asked that. So. Um, I, I think the dynamic is different this time around. I don't I don't think that this is 2016 where people, you know, thought it would be Jeb Bush versus Hillary or anything like that. And it was like, all right, we're just going to settle for this. 
um, there are candidates that are going to be in this race that they, they people feel like that we, we're not settling and who I also think where Trump's act is going to wear a little bit thin. So, yeah. And the last thing I'll say, I, I like I said, I, I don't think it's 2016. I do think the dynamics are different, but I'm seeing that the politicians are going to act the same because they're idiots and morons. I think the only one whose head isn't in his ass is DeSantis because he he hasn't said a bad word about Haley or Ramaswamy or any you know buddy else who's in the race. He's he's the one who's like if there's anyone who's quote unquote focused on Trump, he's the only one who's actually made comments critical of him thus far, and they haven't even been that bad yet. Uh, but last thing I'll say is that you know there was this number floated that like Trump's raised a million and a half dollars off of this you know him being arrested yeah. thing. That's like over four days. To me, that's not a real impressive number. Like he used to be able to raise a ton of money very quickly. To me, that that does not seem like a whole lot of money. That's which, like which is why his team wants the photo op, wants the mug shot. Exactly. So I just think that's another why they're kind of going on full offensive right now against DeSantis and wanting to get arrested. Basically, is that fundraising hall wasn't that great. Yeah. And now I'll talk to you later. Yeah, no, I agree that it's in Trump's calculation that he wants this indictment. It's it's like I said, Chris Rock even said it's like arresting Trump is only going to make him bigger and, you know, more people respect him like Tupac. (laughs) And I see that that's that to me is what's interesting. And I said this on the podcast today. Trump's not going after Alvin Brack. He's not he's he's not saying a word about this guy. He's not giving him a funny nickname. Uh, it, everything is still just focused on Ron DeSantis. And so the fact that he's not even talking about Alvin Bragg, that to me, this is all whether or not he's indicted or not. And you've seen this thing where, where I think even Van Jones is now saying, don't do this because this is only going to stuff around him. And even there is now Democrats talking to Alvin Bragg in New York reportedly saying, don't do this because this is going to create a scene that's only going to harden some of the support. Um, I don't necessarily think that's true. So uh, I, I do think that you're going to have a prosecutor that wants to be the first one to do this, to cross this line, and they will, and they are not going to care about the consequences of it either way. So Gator, go ahead. I'm just, I'm having some people up that haven't been up in a while. So Zach, Jacqueline, just hang back there for a minute. What's up? I think that Ron DeSantis is going to be a real threat this year because he's kind of like Donald Trump light, you know, and we all know how much Americans love diet stuff. And there's a tweet that Donald dropped about DeSantis uh, at like a drinking party with like a bunch of young women, like drinking alcohol and like cuddling them like students of his when he was a teacher. Apparently I was wondering if there's any truth to that. And then, um, yeah, I just wanted to add that. I don't think Donald stands a chance after Whitney Webb's book came out. There's a lot of stuff in there that I think not a lot of people are fully aware of yet, but are becoming aware of that is really going to make it hard for him to win any kind of support or election. Um, specifically his mentor, Roy Cohn being extra problematic in his relationship with uh, J. Edgar Hoover. And um, so, I, and honestly, I think that the real election uh, fraud that needs to be looked into is what happened to Bernie Sanders in the midterms because 
Joe Biden beat Donald Trump. If Joe Biden could have beaten Donald Trump, then anyone could have, maybe outside of Hillary Clinton. <clears throat> and I think uh, the uh, when it comes to election polls, we use 7% discrepancy to justify invasion into foreign countries for a threat to democracy. And there was like a 14% discrepancy in Bernie Sanders' midterm elections, so which is double what we use to justify the invasion of other uh, the DeSantis, he was, he was a, he was basically a teacher's aide and yeah, he, he dropped by the party and there was the photograph. The funny thing about that is Trump like went off and said one of them was a, tra- a transsexual or a tranny or like assumed this. And this is the dynamic at play, which is, and this is what Trump's followers, and this is why I just, I just shrug and I'm like, okay. Uh, is, you know, you, we can, we can label you anything we want. We can call you like, you know, you, you're hanging out with trannies and uh, you, we're fi- finding ethics complaints, whatever. And then the second you kind of go back at him, it's why are you lashing out at us? Why don't you respect? And that's how the rules are with Trump because he's a megalomaniacal, egotistical narcissist. And that's who those people are. And he pays those people to basically back him up. And so, no, I don't think that's something that's going to come about because that's been out for two years. And that was Donald Trump using media's touch uh, to attack him. And that's another part of this. When you're out there praising Charlie Crist and using attacks that the Lincoln Project uses, um, I, I think people are going to see a lot of that. And they're like, your, your site, Donald Trump is over here citing with the same ads that the Lincoln Project makes. Um, what, what are you doing, my guy? <laughs> And so I think that that's part of it. The Bernie Sanders analogy is interesting to me um, because, I mean, Sanders Sanders was originally kind of a tin – it was a tomato can for Hillary. And the thing that no one in Democratic Party politics wants to admit is they never wanted Hillary Clinton. It was just her going to be her turn, and let's just get on board, and at least we can get behind the, the, the whole first female president thing. And that's why it was so easy for Barack Obama to just come out of thin air, you know, materialize out of the clouds – and knock her off and where Bernie almost knocked her off. And that's when the party and Debbie Wasserman Schultz basically revamped the superdelegate system to basically protect Hillary that time. And that's what knocked Bernie out. Basically Um, you don't see a party rallying around Trump the way that they rallied around Hillary. That's kind of the problem. So, um, and and that's another problem with Trump's people to painting Ron DeSantis establishment is you don't get more establishment than a former president who claims that everything he does is good for the party. And then when he loses, it's, it's not my problem. And so he has a lot of problems that Trump's going to have to overcome. And if he's disciplined, he can overcome a lot of those messages. He could say, look, it was out of my hands to fire Anthony Fauci, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but he's not going to do that. Staying disciplined is, is not a tool in his tool belt, shall we say. And so, you know, he'll, he'll try to stay on message for a second and then a reporter will know that they can get under Trump's skin by going, but sir, when are you going to finally admit you lost the election? And off we go. And they know that he will play that game with them. DeSantis won't play that game in the media when, you know, like I said, if there's a debate, I guarantee you if, if Ronald McDaniel is stupid enough to host a presidential debate on CNN or NBC, which is they're talking about. The first question the debate moderator is going to ask of those four or five people, is Joe Biden the fairly elected president of the United States? And they will start with Donald Trump. And they'll go down the line. And to me, DeSantis is probably the only guy on that stage that goes, look, asshole, we see what you're trying to do. We're not relitigating the last election. Nobody wants to fucking do that. We're looking forward. And if you're not going to do that, then we should just call this a night right now. 
and that's to me is you know the answer that sets him apart so uh i do think trump has a lot of problems and one of them is he's going to have to defend the good and the bad of his record and he's not doing that he's just kind of at Mar-a-Lago, golfing, I, I saw something here. He golfs 36 holes a day, which is like two rounds. One, of the, And then he's just sitting in his office on True Social. And so Ron DeSantis' comments to Pierce Morgan were interesting because he just said, you know, scoreboard. Like, we're sitting here putting up wins against Disney. We're sitting here passing parents' rights legislation. We're sitting here revamping state colleges and get re- getting rid of DEI and CRT. Um, and as you know, the, the whole trans debate is kind of the big thing right now. That's not where Donald Trump is. He's going he's gonna to look like someone jumping onto those issues um, that people have been talking about for the last two and a half years. So he does have a lot of problems. Um, can he overcome them? I don't, under, I don't underestimate any of it. We won't know until, you know, first two, three primaries, and we'll see where the, you know, that electorate is at. But he does, he does have a, a large amount of problems that I think are exploitable from the right people and kind of going back to our last caller so far, no one is really doing that. And DeSantis very gently said, I would have fired Anthony Fauci. And that is off to. Thanks, man. Thanks for that context on that uh, Donald tweet. Land with Zach and Jacqueline. So, Little Red, I know we guys we always end with you, but I'm in a mood to mix things up. So, okay, I had to unmute. So, first of all, if we're going to do a whole bunch of litigation and reg- regulation, sorry, Mama's had a couple drinks tonight. <laughs> um, it's Wednesday. What- it's my it's my Saturday. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so anyway, the point is, is why is car buying the worst experience in consumerism in America? It's cell phones are almost as bad. It's ex- and house buying is it's just terrible. You said why is house buying that. or car buying? No, car buying is worse than house buying. Oh, um. I mean, it's it's an investment. You have to finance it, so they have to do all the shit on your credit. And uh, the the guys that I work with are fairly easy. They're mom and pop, and so I'm pretty much in and out in you know an hour or so. But I mean, it's just because of everything that's involved in it, and the loans and the banking. And, and it's so terrible, though. Like cell phones are slightly less worse, and house buying <laughs> is between the two. It's, like it's when you talk about like when you go in to you know get a get an iPhone at AT and T and they take it. Yeah. <laughs> so my thought is, I think that the dude who wrote uh, "Woke Capitalism" or whatever it was, who's running for the Republican nomination, I think he's running like uh, Forbes ran. Like he's an issue guy. He's like, I just want to bring this is you to the front. Um, yeah, you're talking about Ramasay, Vivek Ramasay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, Repub- the Republican when. Andrew Yang. <laughs> he's running to bring an issue to the front, much like um, Steve Forbes ran to say, hey, our tax code is screwed. Um, maybe we should simplify it. And 
in that way, I really appreciate him. He know I don't think he thinks he's going anywhere. No, I mean that's why that's why I call him his his race or ethnicity has nothing to do with like like calling the Republican Andrew Yang. He's he he he's putting on the same exact show that Andrew Yang is. Where uh, I'm going to jump in the Republican race because I'm a free market venture capitalist guy, and I don't like either party. And you know, here you're right about here's my one issue that I want to talk about, and uh, I want to do no labels. And then he's gonna end up dropping out three primaries in. And then he's like, I'm starting my own brand new party and you should join. We don't judge people. Uh, I mean, that, that roadmap is laid out completely where, yeah, where people go, Oh yeah, he's got some good idea. Oh, I want to hear this guy. And um, at the end of the day, standing for nothing uh, doesn't really get you. Yeah. That, I, I, I wouldn't even say he wants to start his own party. I think he's really like much more comparable to Steve Forbes. Because I think he really is just like, we need to talk about this. Just like Steve Forbes was all flat tax. And that was his issue. And he had a point. <laughs> and so does this this other dude. And um, yeah, I if Nikki Haley isn't going anywhere. And I don't think she's running for vice president of or Trump, Trump's vice president. I think she's I don't know what she's doing, <laughs> but she confuses me because she she just doesn't have anywhere to go. I think her problem is is that her timing is off, she, you know, because she was governor during 2016. Um, you know, if in if, if she were running ideally, it would be an open race in the last election, so it would have been 2020. I think she's just been I think she's just been out of it a little bit. And well, I guess Little Red just jumped out. I know I said sorry, plane. There was a plane. Uh, so I missed what you said. But anyway, the point is, is that, yeah, Sununu isn't going to jump in. I Maybe Abbott will. I don't think Youngin is. I think it's, I really do think it's a two-man show. And I know who I'm going to vote for. And it's not Trump. Because he's gross. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of people that think the way that you do. I think that there's a lot of people who are, they believe that this is a, this is a two person race. I said that I think it's Trump or one other option and it's not going to be Trump in, in five other options and little red, I'm going to get Zach and Jack going up here. Uh, thanks for chiming in. Um, I think it's, I think it's Trump in one other option and that's it. You're not, it's not Trump and six other options. It's not four other options. It's one other option. And people should probably be wise enough like Larry Hogan to see that and go with that. So is that. Um, yeah. uh, Zach, jump back up. Sorry, I hit the wrong button. Uh, Peter, I'm going to boot you um, just because we're going to wrap up. But I'm probably going to be back here Friday. And so feel free to jump in then if you're, if you're there. Sorry about that, Zach. I just, I. Oh, well, I was about to say earlier, um, you said that you wanted to get something reliable. So you purchased a Ford and that's like needing marriage counseling. So you hire OJ Simpson. Like what the hell? I I wanted something that I could beat up, you know, just kind of, you know, 
car that I could throw furniture in the back of and not, you know, worry if I dent it on the side of my garage door or something like that. And so it was always that kind of car for that. And I know like some of the reputations with it, um, which I, I loved my first Ford. I was a 2011 Ford Explorer. It was the first car I got when I moved out of New York City. And like, I regretted giving it up for the last two and a half months with problems with my new one. So I like, I really love that car. I just thought I saw an upgrade. So I went with it and it turned out to be a Turkey. So uh, I probably end up trading it in for another more expensive Turkey. It, that's kind of what I'm afraid. Well, um, my first car was actually a, a Ford probe and I'm 100 percent convinced that the only thing that kept it running at the end was black magic because that car it i don't know if i could list all the problems it had there at the end but um yeah so i uh i'm not a big ford fan and i haven't had one since but um i'm not worried about Trump and DeSantis and statements. Uh, let's talk about the election next year when the shit's actually going to matter because nobody's going to remember any of this by then. And then someone cited a book by, who was it? Uh, Whitney something. I don't. I think Whitney Webb is uh, uh, citing more stuff about Trump. I think I think Trump's baked. It doesn't matter. Uh, well, if people if people love him, they're going to vote for him no matter what. Um, I don't think any information that comes out that's new or anything like that is going to sway anyone. Way. No, no, and, and also there's there's something I I kind of want to caution everybody against, and and that includes myself, is that we are all very much terminally online and there are a lot of people and a lot of especially more rural areas that are trump voters that are not online and so when you see you know these blow-ups on social media about trump they're not seeing it and they don't give a shit and what percentage that is how many show up i don't know but that's a problem that that everyone including myself has fallen into yeah i mean i'm not i mean that's kind of why i'm not doing it anymore uh you're right that a lot of this is nonsense it's theatrics it's you know play acting the other part of it is is you're right it's early and, and that's where i think a lot of this is coming from people are just bored and losing their minds over every single little thing because again it feels like it's you know two hours before the start of the fight um, and then, I mean, the other part of it is you're, you're absolutely right about terminally, terminally online. Um, there aren't rural voters out there determining who they're going to vote for based on a poll from cat turd. Okay. And that's another reason I just, I kind of don't respond or I don't get involved in a lot of this, you know, pushing back on Trump's kind of influencer dudes. I'm just kind of like, there's no, there's no real point here. We know what they're doing. We know what they're saying. We know what the act is. Um, and, and again, at this point, you just have to start saying scoreboard and that's it. And you're absolutely right about rural voters and voters who had their businesses closed, you know, uh, for for months and months. And then protests happened. And then it was, no, now you have to go out and protest. I think someone who can articulate that 
accurately is going to win a lot of support. And I don't know how the guy who basically stood by and initiated the lockdowns is going to fare in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like I said, it's, it's, it's too early to tell. I mean, in 2016, I, I've told the story. I went to a Trump speech in the primary and I said, he was very entertaining and he's not going to win the primary. And then he won the primary in the general. So what the fuck do I know? I couldn't even get it right then when it was actually during the primary and I saw him speak live. So I'm sure as hell not going to be able to, to call it now over a year out based on statements on a social media platform that's got what like 15 users maybe so i i just uh it's too early i think everybody gets all bent out of shape over things and it's way too early although i think alvin bragg is a total fucking idiot um i think he he's He's giving everybody what they want and not realizing the disaster that's going to cause. I would say that's about right. And if it's not Bragg, someone is, some prosecutor out there in either Atlanta or somewhere else, they see the media attention he's getting. He got a, he got a pup piece in Politico over this, over just the case, not even the indictment, just the rumor of indictment. And Politico wrote up 1,800 praising words of him. And so someone is going to do it. Someone is, and, and it may even not even be for Trump. I mean, they might forgo this and um, it could be against the next Republican president or whatever, but someone is going to go there uh, against everyone telling them not to do it uh, because basically they don't care. They, this will be very good for their political profile. It makes them an instant hero to the political left and to, you know, neocon hawks and the political right. And that's all that they see. They see dollar signs and they see history. They say, I'm going to be the first one to do this, especially if I'm, you know, uh, a mayor or DA or whatever of color. That, that That's how they look at it. You know, you just arrested the next white supremacist Hitler. And so they don't care. They're going to do it eventually. And they don't care where this leads. And this is similar to me again with Harry Reid abolishing the filibuster. It's like, we warned you, we warned you, we warned you. Oh, look, you're now staring at a conservative majority on the Supreme Court for the next 40 years. Well, enjoy it. We tried. Um, so if it's not Bragg, someone is going to do it. Um, and now there's a rumors of telling Bragg to hold off until this election case in Georgia, uh, electioneering case in Georgia, because that's the more serious charge. That, that doesn't matter. None of these people are listening to any of that. Um, and so... They're taking the country to a very, very dangerous place of which is a road, the road of roads that you don't come back from. Um, I don't always watch Tucker Carlson. I don't always agree with him, but he had a very good monologue on this uh, a a couple of nights ago, which is whether or not whether or not you believe it's a crime or not is irrelevant. You have the party in power arresting an opposition candidate who is either one or two in polling, depending on how you look at it. And regardless of anything else, that's what it looks like. And so they don't care. They're going to do it. And um, yeah, yeah. And I mean, uh, even the even the case in in Georgia has major major problems. 
um, the least of which is the foreperson of the jury going out and giving multiple interviews and uh, I miss her. I wish she she was great for like that one two day thing, and then she just dropped. Yeah. She was like a great she was a great cameo in in Trump season five, and now she. Yeah, well, um, the, you know, the, there was a motion filed, which, I mean, odds are is going to be denied, but um, you have to file these things because you have to preserve a record. But what they cited two, uh, two of the reasons they cited was the foreperson giving those interviews, and also the prosecutor has given a lot of interviews about it, which is not something they're supposed to do. And so uh, I think the case in Georgia is in a lot of trouble and I think maybe the prosecutor knows it. And so that's why they've been so vocal because it's one of those, uh, well, if I keep talking, then this will get, they'll dismiss it for that. Then I can blame it on that. And it doesn't get blamed on the fact that I had a turd of a case that I tried to file. Um, but anyway, and um, I wanted to correct, your, correct you on a couple of things. Alvin Bragg is a state prosecutor. Uh, he's in Manhattan. Uh, he's not part of the SDNY. That's the federal district there. Uh, and the, they're the ones that originally looked at this and said, there's no case here. We're not prosecuting it. And then Bragg um, needing a boost to his polling just kind of picked it up and was like, Leroy Jenkins, let's do this. And um, the bodega uh, worker did not shoot the person. He stabbed him to death. And it was after the guy's girlfriend came in to buy something and her card didn't have enough money on it and it was declined and then he wouldn't give it to him. And so she tells him, I'm leaving, I'm gonna get my boyfriend and he's gonna fuck you up. And he was a multiple time violent felon who came in and started a fight and got stabbed to death. So and Bragg originally of, Bragg of, originally charged him and then dropped him after the public backlash of that. Is that right? Correct. correct yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They actually uh, they charged him and they uh, requested and got a five hundred thousand dollar bail <laughs> on him. And then after the the pushback, he after the pushback he dropped the charges and was like. Well, I hadn't seen the, the tape, and it's like, then why did you let your prosecutor go into court and request half a million dollars bail? Like, you're, you're in charge of that office. The buck stops with you. And, and, and I mean, there's a lot of people who see this as just making up for that. So, yeah. and that's also the whole Soros thing, like... <clears throat> And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Jacqueline here in a minute, Zach. But um, this this whole thing with Soros is laughable to me because it's almost like the Wall Street Journal just went to Soros and said, "Hey, why don't you just do an op-ed for us and explain what you want?" 
And he just went, okay, we do that. And he writes this op-ed saying, why are you sports reform prosecutors, et cetera. And now you can point to that every single time Joy Reid says it's anti-Semitism to point this out. Um, which, again, that's another thing. They, he literally kind of did a whole Colonel Jessup, uh, this is why I did this. You're goddamn right I support these people. And yet uh, it's right out in the open. And yet you still have these guys on cable news and in media, New York Times, et cetera, pushing that any criticism of Soros is anti-Semitic. So uh, God bless the Wall Street Journal for that one. So Zach, I'll give you a final word. I'm going to. Um, I, I don't really have anything to leave on. Except that I want to, I'm late, but I want to congratulate the city of Newark on their new agreement to be sister cities with Wakanda. Wakanda. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's Newark. Wakanda. So, for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, this guy came from India. He's a fugitive in India, and uh, he he negotiated like a pact with Newark to be sister cities with an imaginary city that doesn't exist. And they all just went all around. They all just went along with it and they didn't Google it or anything. They just, they liked what the guy said and they said, okay. And they gave him the keys and uh, that was it. Uh, yeah. That's one of those favorite stories of the week things. Jacqueline, thank you for waiting. I appreciate it. Uh, take us home for the end here. All right. Yeah. I just wanted to call in real quick. Um, what Samuel said earlier in the podcast, I definitely agree with a lot of that stuff. Um, Ronnie D, obviously, you know, I have a bias because I'm from Florida, so I have a bias for him, and I think he has stood the test of time, and the Trump people are just getting really annoying um, for my taste. And then something that Zach was saying about the uh, Bodega um, incident was something else that I read about. And uh, I was like with the whole Soros DAs and all the stuff letting everyone go. And it's just like, you can just see it with your own eyes, what's happening, and that people don't understand that is baffling to me. Uh, DeSantis has gone after Alvin Bragg more than Trump has. That should tell you Yeah, because DeSantis literally got rid of, because, you know, I live in the Tampa area. He got rid of a Tampa DA that was a Soros guy, like, months ago. So for them to say that he wouldn't do that if he was president just doesn't make sense. And I would be fine if he was still in Florida, because I love this crazy state. Like, I don't know if you saw the videos of alligators busting through gates. I, I saw the one of, like, the big Chongus-looking one just, like, casually walking down the street. Um, and uh, I, I've, considered a, I've considered a move to Florida. I currently don't live in Florida. Uh, but I'm, I'm looking at a few places, and 
Um, when I look down and I see that I have two 20 pound French bulldogs, I'm like, Nope, I don't, I don't know. Well, I'll wait for you guys to pass on, uh, because I really don't need to come home to like a leash hanging out of a gator's mouth or, or a Python and an anaconda in my living room. So, um, yeah, I, <laughs> it's a different breed down there. It, it really yeah, is. It's, it's like, we, we are a different type of people. I couldn't live anywhere else. Like, I'm too crazy to live anywhere else, so I have to live in Florida. See, there's a, there's a bumper love... sticker for you right there. <laughs> put, put that on Etsy, Jack. <laughs> so that's like, we can't live anywhere else. We have alligators, anacondas. And when people make fun of Ronnie D wearing his boots walking through the hurricane waters, like there's water moccasins in there and they're venomous. So he's trying to not die. It's but people try to make fun of him and say it's looks stupid and maybe it does look stupid. But you have to do that because you're walking into waters where there are water moccasins that have venom in them that can kill you. So that's what he's doing. Um, yeah, I know you're one of the, you know, there's been a few of you that come on and say, I don't want this dude to run for president. We want him down here. We want him to stay in the state. Um, and, uh, we, we don't want this to happen because inevitably what happens is any, any beloved local politician ends up in DC and then everyone fucking hates them. It's as sure as the sun will rise. That's what happens with all of them. Trump has kind of managed to escape that trap, but Trump was obviously not a typical president. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to suffice to say that you're probably not going to get your wish on that one, Jackie. I think that there's enough evidence to, to kindly suggest that one. So uh, wrap us up. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that he's running for president. Like, and I've been saying that forever. He hasn't officially declared because so many strings are attached when you do officially declare. So he's waiting, and I said this on a different call in that he's waiting until after the congressional session ends which is in a couple weeks. So he is going to wait until May or June to officially do it. But I know it's happening. And for all of the Trump people that say he can't win, he's going to win. I just believe that wholeheartedly. Um, but... Who knows what's going to happen in the next year and a half until the election, but that's just my thought process. Um, things are going to get silly very quickly. That's and that's that's kind of why that was kind of the theme of the podcast and even tonight, which is um, everyone needs to basically take their medication and relax a bit. That's why I use the untouchables uh, analogy, which is don't don't tr go out there and try to make things happen. Don't don't want any of this shit to happen. Uh, just watch it. What does happen and react to that. So. Um, I, I don't think people even realize what we're in for. 
coming up in the few months and I think I'm just mentally preparing myself for the rest of the year. So that might just be me. Um, thanks again, callers. And this was kind of uh, just a rando Wednesday night. This is episode 92 Vroom Room. It's good to see familiar faces. Thanks to you all for uh, jumping in and listening and kind of keeping the show still up towards the top of Colin. Uh, I'm going to, I'm thinking about doing one on Friday if I have time. And uh, we'll just kind of do the week in review AMA stuff that we've usually been doing on Fridays as well. So, again, thanks, everyone. Have a good night. I will be back on Substack tomorrow. Uh, scheduling update. There's a chance I might not be able to do a Saturday show and I just might have to chalk one up as a miss for picking up my beautiful new Range Rover Velar. So, Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for the car advice, uh, which it looks like I just completely ignored and uh, went with a, a very expensive, uh, at least very expensive to maintain toy. So we'll see. Uh, thanks, everyone. Have a good night. I'll see you on Substack tomorrow. Cheers.